Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Today, we've got a big, big show here today. We're continuing our series that we like to call the now generation, not the next generation. They're already making an impact. And we're sitting down with students and educators from some of the leading supply chain management programs around the world. Today, we're meeting with a great team of professionals and students from the University of North Texas who ranked number six on the 2022 Gartner Top 25 list for North American undergraduate supply chain programs. So with that said, I want to take a minute. As y'all can tell, we're kind of excited. We've gotten a lot of feedback about this series, and I can't wait to share with you this panel we have here. So let's introduce them. Uh, Starting with Regan Weaver, sophomore at the University of North Texas. He is a major in logistics and supply chain management, minoring in marketing. What a great combination that is. He's also president for the logistics and supply chain management student organization. Regan, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How's it going, Scott? Doing wonderful. Great to have you here. I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, Joining Regan, we have Zach Qualley, senior at the University of North Texas. Now, he's graduating in May with a degree in uh, finance and a degree in business integrated studies. But wait, there's more. He's got a focus in enterprise management and logistics supply chain management. So both Regan and Zach, man, y'all are going to be dangerous with all this knowledge. Zach, great to have you here today. Good to be here. All right. And then joining our students is Dr. Clinton Pertel, Assistant Professor of Logistics and Operations Management and Associate Director of the Jim McNatt Institute for Logistics Research at the University of North Texas. Now, as a practitioner and executive leader, Dr. Pertel has spent over two decades, we're careful not to go over that and date people, but over two decades in a number of Fortune 500 and Euro uh, Euro 50 firms, leading global supply chains, and so much more. Dr. Patel, how you doing? Fantastic. Glad to be here, Scott. Well, I appreciate that. And thanks for your facilitation, as busy as y'all are, uh, with uh, bringing your perspective, but also Regan and Zach's perspective to the show here today. All right. So we're going to start by getting to know y'all a little better, right? I've I've really enjoyed the pre-show session here today. I wish, you know, uh, we should have recorded that and dropped that as as a supplemental podcast. But uh, let's start with getting to know our guests a little better. So, Regan, uh, I'm a big old baseball nerd. I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan, have been since uh, the 80s, right? And we've seen some ups and we've seen some downs. But I understand you're a big baseball uh, 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 guru as well, aficionado, but you played the sport. So tell us what positions you play. Absolutely, Scott. I was a left-handed pitcher. I kind of grew up in Marcus at Marcus High School in Flower Mounds. And I played first base and pitcher. I was actually left-handed as well. Okay. Were you a home run hitter? Man, I like to think I was, but uh, but sometimes I feel like I was just a base knock every now and then. Hey, lots of singles win, lots of playoffs and World Series trophies, right? Yes, sir. Um, so beyond your playing career, uh, who's your favorite team in the Major League Baseball? Growing up, I love the Rangers, and especially kind of right here in Arlington, but – 
then I kind of got into liking the Astros where they started winning, kind of hopped on the bandwagon, and especially because working out with their closer in high school, Ryan Presley, uh, really, really made me an Astros fan. Man, that has got to be cool. I bet you got some stories there that you maybe can't share here on our podcast, but to be able to work alongside a major leaguer, especially a good one, that has got to be special, Regan. All right, uh, and we'll get some tips maybe on how to throw, throw a curveball from Regan later in the show. We'll see. Uh, all right, so Zach, uh, now you're, uh, I am not an athlete, so I could I can um, bond with Regan on his love for the game, but I was a very mediocre church softball player, and that's, that was the extent of my athletic career. But Zach, you love documentaries, and I love, me and my wife Amanda love documentaries, and there's so many great ones now across, you know, all the streaming platforms. Um, what is one of your favorite recent documentaries, Zach? So one that I really liked recently was uh, about the Disney Fast Pass and Line system, sort of its history over you know the the course of the Disney amusement parks and just sort of how they've gone about changing it, implementing new versions of it, and you know so on. So to our listeners out there, uh, and what's the name of that? Well, again, what's the name of that documentary, Zach? I, I would have to check on the name, but on YouTube, if you look up Disney Fast Pass history, you can probably find it right there. There it is. We'll see if we can't add a link in there. Um, let me tell you all, if if any of our listeners hadn't been to Disney, and especially hasn't taken a, a, like a family, uh, we have a family of five to Disney, you know, during the height of the season, as Zach knows well, two hour two hour waiting lines, hour and a half, 90 minutes, two hours waiting for a ride, those Fast Passes that he's talking about, allows you to basically to, to zip in. And with when we had that Florida heat with those long lines, man, those are some valuable things really added to the the, the park experience. So, uh, Zach, I appreciate that. And I also appreciate your um, – you like um, studying tons of information, data analytics, which we're going to touch on, on, on again soon. And, of course, customer experience. There's a lot of analytics helping to fuel that uh, gains there. All right. And that brings us to Dr. Pertel. Again, thanks for all of your facilitation. Now, Dr. Pertel, I understand that you come from a big athletic family uh, and you're married to a former All-American softball player, Amber Pertel. So what position did Amber play and where'd she go to school? Yeah, so Amber grew up in Oklahoma. We were both small-town Oklahoma people. Uh, her entire family was softball, so her sister also played collegiate softball, and nieces play collegiate softball, so I married into softball. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so she started out at, uh, in the Oklahoma State system at Connor State College and transferred to Lipscomb University when I got my first job at Cracker Barrel Corporate in Lebanon, Tennessee. So uh, she played corners. Uh, she was originally a, a shortstop and Lexington, Oklahoma, uh, and a power hitter, uh, an amazing, like put a ball down the middle and it's over the fence type hitter. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, and then they uh, moved her to corners. Uh, so, but she's just, uh, she's a utility, utility infielder all the way around. So. Man. Well, uh, shout out to Amber. I, I bet there's tons of stories there. And also, uh, from Cracker Bell, one of our favorite, uh, businesses here. I'd love to hear some of those stories, maybe later on Dr. Pertel and really quick, your, uh, family, uh, your um, sons and daughters, they're pretty active in sports as well, right? They are. It's one of the advantages of being in academia. I get to spend time as dad now uh, and not uh, work the, the crazy hours and, and long travel. So, so yeah, I've got a, uh, an older daughter uh, that is a softball player at Oklahoma Baptist University as a nursing student. She wants to achieve the ultimate as a CRNA, a nurse anesthetist in that, wow. uh, in that program. So she's well on her way. 
I've got a junior in high school, and her name's Brooklyn. Got a junior in high school uh, that will be going to Oklahoma City University. She's committed to play softball there as a catcher. She's all, and they're both power hitters, just like mom, uh, setting all kinds of records here and there. Uh, she'll be a pre-law student. Uh, so we've got the softball checked off with the two girls. And then, uh, so thankfully dad was able to check the boy box. And, uh, so I played football growing up and had kind of some dreams, you know, around that growing up, but different plans, you know, ended up being the, the way for me. So I get to live through my son who's 30. He's, so we live in Texas. He's, he's a big dude. Right. Uh, he's, uh, he's 13. Uh, he's, uh, he's six feet tall, weighs about 175 pounds right now. And, uh, has uh, been doing the national combine route, has made it through army combine. He'll be going to rivals this weekend. Uh, he's made it to the next level of FBU, which is top gun. Wow. And, uh, we'll be going to next gen, the show in Atlanta, uh, top gun will be in Naples, Florida, but, uh, he's just been ranked as a top 100 and he's just achieved a three star on the national radar. So dad gets to spend time now, not only just watching softball, which I appreciate yeah, and love, right. don't get me wrong, but yep. I get to spend time in Texas football and he'll be going to mm. Allen high school, which is a power six A here in Texas. So dad, dad has lots of fun with that. He plays baseball as well, but, but he's a football guy. Dr. Portell, that is awesome. And I especially love all kidding aside, the ability to be a dad. You know, one of my favorite things I do as a father of three is pick up my kids from school and just hear about their day. And it's just so I can relate and I, I look forward to a lot uh, here, getting some pictures from that, that uh, your son and your daughters as they achieve more and more athletically and from a business perspective. All right. So uh, really enjoyed hearing a little more about the personal side of each of y'all uh, three. Now we're going to dive more into the business side, right? Where you are and where you're headed and some of the big, uh, big things you're going to be doing. So I want to start with Regan. I love asking this question, especially on the, on this now generation series. Why Supply chain. Why did you pick supply chain as, as a uh, industry uh, sector of global business to move into, Regan? Thank you, Scott. So I grew up, you know, like, you know, like I said earlier, playing baseball and having a bunch of these former baseball coaches, you know, throwing supply chain uh, terms out. And I'm like, you know, slowly listening, practicing at the same time. And I'm like, what are they talking about? And, you know, I kept hearing it more and more. I have, I have a, a former baseball coach that's now an executive at FedEx. One that's now at J.C. Penney's, uh, and then COVID hit, and then you, you hear that it's a huge field, and I was kind of going into college right when COVID hit, and I was like, well, that's something I want to grow up doing. My stepmom also uh, worked at Walmart for the longest time, and then my brother went to UNT, and he is now at BNSF, uh, kind of making his way up on the pole up there. So it got me into uh, into the industry, and I'm loving it so far. Man. That is a full answer. Sounds like you had lots of role models there. I'm, I'm curious to know, uh, Zach, how about you? What's your why supply chain response? So in this sort of speaks to Regan's point, but it's everywhere. You know, supply chain is involved in pretty much every form of business out there. And, you know, I think it's a really useful skill to have. And it's a really big thing that we need to work on refining, uh, especially as we move forward. So I just think there's a lot of value that can be uh, created by going into supply chain. Yes, Zach. And you know, that's, that's been one of the silver linings on Dr. Patil. I'm coming to you next. That's been one of the silver linings of this tough pandemic era that we all, that challenged us as humanity, challenged us as practitioners, you name it, um, is it elevated 
the status of the profession. Folks are curious about it now and they know a lot more. And of course, we're living in an era where we got some of the smartest consumers of all time. I would, uh, Dr. Patil, I would, I would uh, argue and submit to you that I'm hoping that consumers understand they play a very active role, right? And hopefully one of the big things we're tackling now, but certainly better up ahead is this tidal wave of returns that all of us as consumers uh, contribute to. But uh, Dr. Patil, how about you? You've got, we're going to um, uh, dive into, let's, let's talk before we get your, your wild supply chain. I think I skipped over your professional background. Because uh, you've got, I mean, we could be here three hours talking about all things you've done in global supply chain. So tell us more about um, what you've did uh, done in industry prior to getting into academia. Yeah, you know, I had a I had a, a really neat ride in corporate America, and even spent some time as an entrepreneur uh, building some businesses myself. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I I got the opportunity to travel across many different industries. It, it started early on at Cracker Barrel Corporation. Uh, where I, I kind of went in at a time they were at a watershed moment of actually thinking of spinning off retail. Uh, retail was underperforming and they just wanted to be a restaurant company. And so I got to be a part of that team and got to do some really cool things. Like I was, I was the Billy Bass guy. Remember the singing fish you push? And you push <laughs> oh yeah. That guy. I was the guy that helped standardize <laughs> rocking chairs for Cracker Barrel and other sorts of things across the, the, the platform that are now some of their best selling products. So, so I got to do that. I got to move into airlines for a while. Worked at American Airlines, bought jets, and did MRO for American Airlines, and moved from there to uh, to Cadbury Schweppes Dr Pepper. It used to be Cadbury Schweppes Dr Pepper, now it's just Dr Pepper and Dr Pepper Keurig, I think is what they are right now. But but uh, um, anyway, got to do consumer goods. Moved to medical industry. Worked for a French company, uh, Essilor Essilor Luxottica now. And, then, you know, moved, moved on to pharmaceuticals, moved back to Southwest Airlines, spent a little time in government at, at a tollway authority. But I got to see a lot, you know, um, and, and do a lot of things and be a part of a lot of amazing things. But the one unique thing about my experience was I moved from finance, financial analysis into traditional procurement, but found that the ultimate value that an extremely savvy procurement division, an excellent commodity management and strategic sourcing group, is able to do is not just buy things and negotiate commodities and manage costs and bring value, but let's find acquisition opportunities, especially within the Mm. supply chain. The ultimate acquisition, the ultimate purchase is that of another company. And so I became the supply chain M&A guy. And that's why my, I had that trajectory through my, through my career. And so I got to buy a lot of neat companies, be a part of a number of neat strategic alliances that, brought value. And I saw the, the importance of supply chain from that perspective. Man, Dr. Pertil, I love, uh, uh, I could spend the next couple hours uh, just diving in on that, on what all of you done. But I love that the ultimate acquisition is that of another company. I can only imagine uh, some of the due diligence stories and valuation stories uh, and, and the wherewithal of the supply chain execution of some of those firms you looked at. Scott, let me just add to that just really quick on my Yeah. Please. The, the difference that the divisions I would I would build and the approach we took was was we would go to a company. It was a very much a, a perspective of what you described. We got to do the due diligence. We got to do this, that, and the other. Typically, supply chain and procurement was the last to find out, right? So mm. when we led the initiative, we were able to not only identify those synergies, but also integration analysis around how can we reduce costs or increase revenues through our supply chain, right? Um, and when we started looking at the supply chain as the heart, as the nervous system of the acquisition, and not as an afterthought of how do we just cut costs, 
the goodwill impairments and whatnot that we usually saw in acquisitions, but also the return on assets and, and the immediate the, the first hundred days as you hear about of an acquisition if it makes or breaks. Um, our integrations uh, were, I think we were batting a thousand. Dr. Patil, I love what you shared there, especially how it seemed like you were on the on the, really the uh, the front edge uh, of uh, the realization that global businesses had that supply chain, you know, is the business. As I've had colleagues put it, you know, there's so much it brings to the uh, competitive advantage of a business, and that's certainly been a realization in recent years. So we'll have to get to more of your stories from your background, but. One, one more quick follow-up question, Dr. Patel. We've heard Regan talk about some of the you know, baseball coaches and mentors that really turned him on supply chain. We heard from Zach in terms of why supply chain for him. Everything's got a supply chain. And certainly that awareness has really been good for the industry in recent years. But why supply chain? Why for that first role at Cracker Barrel uh, for you, Dr. Patel? Yeah, you know, I, I think we're – supply chain is a buzzword right now in media, right? Now everybody, you know, talks about it, but I still don't think people really understand what it is. And it's a lot of things. Uh, it's engineering. It's logistics. It's accounting. It's politics. It's, you know, it's a cross-disciplinary, cross-scientific sort of amalgamation of things that solve problems. It gets things from one place to another. It adds value or it significantly disrupts value. Um, why I got into supply chain um, was number one, because of relationships. Uh, you know, I think business is better in relationships. And when you are strategic in your supply chain endeavors and focus on relationships first, uh, and you realize that you get out of the not invented here syndrome, that your company can't do everything, that suppliers exist for a reason, that they are subject matter experts and you can bring value in if you look in the right places or talk the right language or appreciate the right culture, um, then, you know, the, the sky is the limit. But at the same time, as we found, you know, these days post COVID, it can also turn your world upside down if we don't understand and don't appreciate mm. it. So, you know, if we don't manage it and we don't understand what it's about, makes our lives miserable and can run our businesses out of, you know, we put us in bankruptcy. Uh, or worse, put a country, you know, into an economic decline. If we look at it then more than just purchasing and logistics and at the true potential of what it can do, it can revolutionize things, right? Not just evolve things, but revolutionize businesses and industries. Um, some people see that as disruption. I see it right. as opportunity. Some people see it as failure. Uh, you know, in one case or another, our business failed because we didn't keep up or we weren't aware I see it as an opportunity to learn how to do it better and in doing it, embracing supply chain. I like it. Could be one of our best answers so far uh, in recent show memory. So uh, Dr. Pertil hitting home runs, just like you're just like Amber, just like Amber. Uh, all right. So shifting gears here, I'll go back to you, Ray, uh, Regan. I want to talk, you know, as really Dr. Pertil and really all three of y'all have really implied and spoken to, man, global supply chain is so much so much more than movement, right? So much more than all those departments that all of us have already touched on in the first part of this conversation. So, uh, Regan, what is one topic or trend or issue or challenge, whatever, uh, across global supply chain that's on your radar more than others right now, Regan? Man, Scott, you know, that's a difficult question, but a great question too, because every single day there's something moving in supply chain. But in the past couple of days, I've really, really been paying attention to production coming back to the U.S., uh, you know, watching companies and the government figuring out how to do this. They're calling it nearshoring right now. Uh, and as you can tell, when COVID hit, you know, we lacked in product, didn't have toilet paper, 
Uh, and I'm kind of really looking at the progress on that and seeing how that's going to come and what is to come on that, because I think that's a huge topic, especially with maybe the currencies uh, changing as well in China. Uh, so it's something that I'm really, really interested in, and I can't wait to see what the outcome is. Love that. Who would have thought that toilet paper would be the gift that keeps on giving? The great American toilet paper shortage is amazing. Um, good stuff there, Regan. I want to switch over to you, Zach. Uh, it, same question. If you if you survey the global landscape of global supply chain right now, what's one thing that you're really tracking more than others right now? I mean, I would say the big buzzword when it comes to the supply chain is supply chain resiliency. But specifically, I've been looking at the defense industry portion of that. Uh, we've been looking into a bunch of defense contractors and seeing how their supply chains are rebounding and really noticing that they're taking a little bit longer just due to the nature of their work to bounce back. There was also, uh, Regan hit it a little bit, China sanctioning some of the U.S. defense companies and how that's going to impact sort of our operations as well as, you know, all the foreign conflicts going on. Just defense in supply chain has a lot going on right now. It's a good point. There's lots of sanctioning and fees and tariffs going back and forth on, across a variety of different uh, supply chains and trade. Um, and, you know, uh, Dr. Patil, I'm coming to you next, but Unfortunately, of course, in the last year, we've seen um, firsthand the Russian invasion of Ukraine and, and, and what that means far beyond violence and loss, but uh, to, a, to a lesser important extent, uh, what that means for global supply chains. All right. So, Dr. Patil, a, a lot of good stuff there from Regan and Zach. And again, there's so much to track with this question, but I love the, the simple and the, and the simple focus of it. That's one of the reasons I love posing it. Uh, to our guests here. So for you, what's one thing you, you may be, not that you're only tracking it, but what's one thing that maybe you're tracking more than others right now in global supply chain? Yeah. And I think I'm, I may be one of the, the few right now that are, that are looking at this, at least per the, the editors and the, and the revised and resubmits that we see on the academic side. And that is advanced air mobility, Scott. So you're a former Air Force guy. You know, uh, we, we, the United States leads in military drone technology, Un, un, you know, hands down. Uh, we and, and we have traditionally in the United States been the leader in aerospace. I mean, we were the Wright brothers launched, right? And ever since the great space race, we've led in commercial aerospace. We have the safest, most complex airspace in the world. But Scott, where are the drones? Where is this new you know, mode of transportation that everybody was so excited about for so long? And Sometimes in the United States, we say it's not happening here, therefore it's not happening. But heavy lift drones in a number of different industries, medical and heavy transport, are actually very active outside of our airspace. One of the things I think will drive this is the uh, deterioration of roads and the congestion of roads, part of the supply chain problem. You know, if we think about getting a, an LTL or a pallet load from a warehouse to a convenience store or somewhere where you have to, you don't have a straight interstate highway, but you have winding roads and it takes a few hours and pretty expensive gas and a driver. But I could have a heavy lift drone, very capable drones, lots of technologies out there capable of going 300 miles, carrying 3,000 pounds, fully autonomously in low altitude, non-congested airspace and turn that drone five times where I might turn that truck twice a day on a short range route, you know, that's pretty disruptive. Um, and so that's what I'm tracking is the advancements of drones and advanced air mobility, what we're calling air taxis, um, and the advantages that that will have uh, once we open the U.S. airspace and how it may disrupt a number of traditional, uh, either complement or disrupt traditional forms of, of logistics and supply chain. Dr. Pertil, I love that answer. We just interviewed uh, a Walmart uh, senior executive. They made big gains. Uh, as, as other retailers have really struggled to make more gains in the testing and the clearances and whatnot. So great, great point. 
we got some interesting times ahead for sure. Um, all right. But really, that's to be said across global supply chain. Drones, sure. Automation, sure. Uh, analytics, sure. The talent factor, opportunities for folks, right? Um, I want to switch gears and I want to, I want to kind of move into the University of North Texas. As we mentioned on the front end, lots of accolades, lots of recognition uh, on inside the top 10 for Gartner in 2022 for uh, supply chain programs across North America. So, Regan, I'm going to circle back to you here. Uh, as customers, I'll put it, of uh, UNT, uh, Regan, what, um, what makes the program so, so special there for logistics and supply chain management? Well, you can just see one of our doctors right here, Dr. Patel, uh, given everything he has. Uh, you know, that's that's one thing, though. Uh, all the doctors, you know, are very friendly. They're out to help you. A lot of students, I feel like, don't understand that and don't see that. And then another thing is I feel like we are almost our, like our own distribution center or something. You know, we are in the middle of a supply chain area, uh, you know, like right in the middle of it. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of opportunities that comes with that. There's a bunch of businesses right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex kind of being president of the logistics and supply chain organization. It makes it very easy uh, to, to get a tour going, you know, let's say at BNSF Railway. You know, their headquarters are right here in Dallas, uh, Southwest Airlines, American Airlines. We've gone on all these tours, and that was in just one semester. So, you know, that, that's something to be said, and that's something that makes UNT, you know, get up there on the top charts for sure. I love some of the things you point to there, two of them in particular, of course, the infrastructure, uh, you know, every city, every university, every port, every supply chain um, metro center takes advantage of local infrastructure, right? And that's clearly one of the advantages there. And then secondly, one of the things you touched on is all the tours that y'all have been conducting. That is the mo- one of the most valuable things that current supply chain practitioners, students that are looking to break an industry can do is get out there and view operations and connect and see problems, challenges, solutions, talk to people. Oh, what a great learning experience. Zach, same question to you. So what makes UNT's, University of North Texas's supply chain, logistics and supply chain management program so special? I mean, for me, it's a lot of the people. I, I know we've been mentioning the talent a lot, but really a lot of those professors have sort of gone out of their way to make sure that all the questions I have, all the opportunities I could possibly get have been presented to me. And it's been a really heartwarming and just a very good experience to have with all these professors for me. Man. Okay. So Dr. Pertil, Zach's answer is, well, Zach and Regan's, both their responses have got to put a smile on your face. Uh, comment on what they've shared. And then if you can, you know, uh, I know you're not looking to pitch UNT, but you're um, uh, clearly you're accomplishing a ton there and cranking out the talent pipeline in the industry that needs it. So what'd you hear there from both of our guests here, Regan and Zach? And what do you think makes the program so special? Yeah, you, you bet, Scott. So, you know, I worked for a little over a decade in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and got to work some other places across the world and, and got to work with some cool universities when I was when I was on the other side of the fence. When I was choosing which university to come to after I got my PhD, there was something that kind of stuck out. You know, I, I had offers from some fantastic supply chain programs and, and some, you know, tier one, uh, you know, pre- very prestigious institutions. And um, there was something different about UNT. And when I tried to put my finger on it and of course, as a PhD, I had to look at the at the some of the details behind this. Some things started to stick out. So, so first, UNT has some big problems, Scott, and those problems are growth problems. Our our growth mm-hmm. and our College of Business is double digit semester over semester almost. Um, 
And, and so, so we have a lot of people wanting to come here, which is, it's usually a good sign, right? Uh, that was number one. Number two, um, you know, UNT primary campus is in Denton. Uh, it has some other institutions, some other campuses in Fort Worth, one in downtown Dallas. Uh, but they formed a relationship with Frisco, Texas, one of the fastest growing cities, I think now in the world, uh, okay. you know, which becoming sports mecca, but we see just all kinds of industries moving in. And so Frisco did a long-term partnership arrangement with Frisco between UNT Denton and Frisco to, to establish UNT Frisco. Um, and so we built a branch campus. There was a hundred acre agreement, uh, you know, for that, uh, we have UNT Frisco now and it has just exploded <laughs> right next door to the PGA headquarters, the new PGA headquarters okay. from the star. Uh, and so, so we see some really, uh, neat things there, but here's what really stuck out to me. I got the opportunity to teach it at a number of great supply chain programs as I was an adjunct and other sorts of things. And I couldn't quite put my finger on the difference. And finally, I realized it was this guy that uh, a third or so of the students at UNT are first generation. Um, mm. we're, we're a majority minority. Um, so, so well more than 50% identify as some category of a, of a minority. Uh, so incredible diversification. Um, and I believe I, I've heard numbers between 20 to 25% of our students are, are what we would categorize as neurodiverse. Um, and we're an R1 growing institution in one of the fastest growing, you know, economic areas of the country. And so as I started working with, you know, these students versus other institutions that were just phenomenally ranked, you know, um, I started to realize that the grit factor of a UNT student is a little different. So, so I'll ask, I love having one-on-ones with students and, and I do it at all my all institutions. I ask a student, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? I usually get the answer. I want to make a lot of money, have a great job. <laughs> Often when I talk to a UNT student, on average, I get a different answer. I'll still get that answer, Scott, but I get another answer because a lot of our students are non-traditional first-generation minorities. And that is, I want to get, I want to, I want to get mom out of the hood. You know, I, I want to make sure my brother and sister can eat. So the, so the mission and the grit of a, of a UNT student is different than that of a traditional student. I would see it at another university, not to say those students aren't at other universities, but, but that creates a different culture at UNT. And because of that perseverance factor and that desire to achieve and win, um, you know, and succeed in some cases because of survival, um, that was a big, big draw for me. Dr. Patel, appreciate you sharing that uh, and the power, um, the power there within when it comes to uh, the power of diversity. Uh, Regan, I think you, in, in talking pre-show, I think you had a, a couple of passionate points around that, right? Yes, absolutely. Dr. Patel, I think you had a great point uh, about being diverse. You know, I grew up at my high school, wasn't a very diverse background uh, over there. And then I kind of came to college and I saw how diverse it is. And I think that is a huge thing about UNT because it got me to see kind of the real world and it got to see that not everyone has to have the same background to get the position, you know. And so as being president of the organization for logistics and supply chain management, you know, when, we, when the officers all get together and we're brainstorming, everybody is thinking something differently. And, you know, that's something big that, you know, most companies are looking uh, to have in their in their future employees. Yeah, that echo chamber, right? Welcome in a, a wide plethora of views and, and global views and how we approach not just problems, which is important in and of itself, but also opportunities, right? Um, so good stuff there, uh, Regan. All right. I want to switch gears and talk about internships because both of our guests are involved in some impactful internships. And then I'm going to come to Dr. Pertil and we're going to talk about 
why that's important. So, uh, Zach, let's circle back to you first. So, Zach, tell us about uh, where you're currently interning. So currently I'm interning at Lone Star Analysis, which is a data analytics company. And uh, we've been doing a lot of tracking sort of how government spending works and, you know, looking at their buying behavior and also the logistical component of that, how, you know, logistics and supply chain may be affecting what the government's doing, what the government's expectations are. So, man, uh, and what I understand come from Dr. Pertil is uh, we could put up put together a whole series on some of the work you're doing there as part of that internship, uh, Zach. And I bet it's right up your alley because you love to analyze loads and loads of information. Is that right? Absolutely. I love data. <laughs> <laughs> I love data. We need a T-shirt. as a T-shirtism. Um, all right. So, Regan, let's talk about your internship and, and what you're up to. Absolutely. So I actually, you know, I keep referencing uh, being the president, uh, but, you know, this is a really big thing for students. We're trying to grow the organization. And when being president, we have a thing called Handshake at UNT. Some uh, colleges have it. And it is, I mean, straight employment for for, uh, college students. And so I kind of look through that every day and pass it on to other students. And we have got employment up very high in our organization. I would say almost every person in the organization is getting an internship. And so with that being said, I have had multiple uh, grateful opportunities, that I'm proud to say. And so I had an interview actually yesterday with Callaway Golf. In fact, Callaway Golf just bought Top Golf. Uh, for those of you that just kind of go and have a good time and don't take golf seriously, uh, Top Golf <laughs> is a good spot to be and have a good time. And so Callaway just bought them, and I think I'll be working there this summer, as well as I have a little research project that I'm working on with a few of the professors at UNT, and we are doing research data analysis for forklift drivers. And so we put a little cap on their on the forklift driver's head, and we put some gel that connects to uh, – you know, their scope and it actually reads kind of where they're thinking and the waves of what they're thinking. And what we're trying to do with this is trying to get it more efficient for forklift drivers. See how long, you know, how efficient they really are going in these hot summer Texas when it's 105 degrees, you know, are they really going to be efficient for two hours straight? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's kind of what we're doing. And I, I'm really loving it. And it's really a good opportunity as being a sophomore here at UNT. All right. So Dr. Patil, I'm coming to you next. You know, what I heard there from Regan is uh, how important it is and some of the work they're doing to improve the quality of life and, and their roles and enable them to be more successful folks on the front line. And we, as we all know, those are the folks that make global supply chain happen. So I loved hearing that, Regan. we got to take care uh, of those folks uh, in our facilities, no matter where they are, hot Texas during the summer or halfway around the world. Dr. Bertil, talk about um, two things here. Uh, the internships that both Regan and Zach are up to, um, and then in general, the power of internships. Why more schools and, and employers should invest in internships, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll hit to, you know, why internships first uh, of the first two questions. So it's a very competitive place out there, especially for an undergrad that's trying to go into the world and, you know, dealing with folks, that, you know, 10,000 other undergrads trying to get that same job or folks who are changing industries or, or whatever the economic situation is or that industry situation is, um, somehow the, the student has to stand out. And, you know, they all come out with the same degree. They, if they're going to an AACSB school, they, they've had the same curriculum, different professors, maybe some different war stories, but what separates them? Um, 
And so the ability to talk about not only what I did, but how I did it and gain that perspective is absolutely critical, you know, for, for the, for the student, but here's an even better thing about the internship. It's it's a, it's a tight labor pool out there. Uh, You know, when we see companies wanting to move into Frisco and we're working with the Frisco Economic Development Corp or McKinney Economic Development Corp or just local employers, you know, the the one thing they want to talk about is labor pool, right? Why should I relocate to your area? Tell me about how, where am I going to find employees, companies? How do I get access to your talent? If you're waiting until graduation, you're waited way too late. Uh, the top talent is gone. The top talent finds the opportunities. That's not to say the talent that's left is not good. Uh, it's just your your options are much less. You know, when I was in industry, I preferred the try before you buy approach. Um, you know, an internship gives you a chance to to try talent before you buy. And if you do it in partnership with the university, you get to screen who you're bringing in as an intern. And I would much rather deal with a 1099, you know, or, or an hourly worker that's not a W-2 employee, if there's not a good fit or we have a cultural problem or something like that within the organization, it's, you can address it much quicker, you know, when the person's not a W-2. So, so that becomes, you know, one issue. The second is so many companies do a, uh, a hot potato internship program, right? We need an intern this summer, but we'll talk to you again in a few years. Um, and if you don't start that pipeline you're just an interest to that student. When you have a relationship and a funnel, you become talked about by many students. And so there are other benefits there. But I would say this, I would say, Scott, the internship idea is old. It's, it's out phase. It's kind of like some social media platforms that are kind of going out and others are coming. Um, <laughs> the, the old, the old idea of let's just put an internship out there and hopefully people apply and we'll go to career fairs and, and start that that, that's, that's gone. I, I reference, you know, using strategic sourcing as a form of acquisitions and thinking outside the box. You know, Regan talked about something that I'm very involved in as well, and that is using our students, undergraduate students, not PhD students, undergraduate students for real research. And I'm not talking about a long-term capstone project. I'm talking about finding actively involved PhDs, professors, who have a pool of high potential candidates that want to solve problems. Let me tell you something, a motivated undergraduate student, especially somebody like from UNT with the grit factor I talked about, can solve amazing problems very quickly without having the bias that somebody who's worked in industry for quite some time might have. Um, And so you get very unique perspectives. And in some cases, from somebody who represents your future consumer, right? right. So you're getting all kinds of value by doing that. So going beyond the internship to uh, to finding ways of partnering with the university uh, for not just capstone projects, not just guest speakers, but problem solving for your organization, pure indoctrination, what I used to call embed the student and the university within your organization and they will help you solve your talent problem as well as your other problems. Yeah. I think so much to your, one of your points is how you structure it. And and number two, how you uh, empower these incredible minds that are so capable. Um, You know, the, the word intern, uh, we would replace that word intern. I can't remember the word we would use here at supply chain now because intern in and of itself can, can imply trainee or, or something that, that really diminishes the value and the capability of these participants with an internship program uh, man, put them to work because they are, they are capable and ready to go and ready to contribute. And I also have kind of one more, something small to add to that, but correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Patel, I think if you're majoring in logistics and supply chain at UNT, 
you have to have at least one internship to graduate or is it, is it two or one? It is a mandatory requirement to graduate. That is correct. Yes. And that's something cool. You know, a lot of colleges don't have that. And you know, that shows that you should be able to get an internship while you're in college right here at UNT. Especially if you want to graduate. <laughs> that's that's kind of why it's important too. Uh, hey, good stuff there. Uh, Dr. Patel and Regan and Zach. Um, all right. So I want to move ahead. Right. So hopefully y'all brought, uh, your crystal ball to the conversation here today. A lot of passion on this panel. Um, all right. So what do you want to do? Zach, I'm coming to you first. Uh, what do you want to do in industry and why? What's that change you want to you wanna affect? I mean, my long-term goal is to start my own business and really in regards to logistics, being able to go out there and sort of put my influence out there. I've uh, had a lot of fun when it comes to Lean Six Sigma, continuous improvement. And so, you know, we have a supply chain that's working on continuous improvement, sometimes to its own detriment, but, you know, making sure to make smart decisions to improve it, to impro- improve the livelihoods of everyone that uses it. That does not surprise me, Zach, uh, especially given that you love data, as you said. Uh, of course, Lean Six Sigma offers plenty of data and, of course, the power of data as you're, you're finding solutions to problems old and new. Uh, and I love as, as a fellow uh, or as an entrepreneur and a founder, I look forward to tracking you as you uh, you start your business down the road a little bit. Um, all right. So, Regan, how about you? What do you want to do in industry and why? That is a great question because every single day, I don't know what it is about me, but I feel like I'm a businessman and I'll wake up and have some <laughs> crazy idea. Uh, last year, I started up a security company, went good with it. I've got 30 or 300 people on a bus to Lollapalooza, sold the company for about six grand. Uh, you know, just to start up because of liability with the Travis Scott concert, if uh, the people on here are familiar with that. So, you know, every single day I wake up with something that I want to do, but I do have some long-term goals. Uh, you know, I want to finish my degree here at UNT uh, really strong, hopefully stand with a 4.0. And then when I graduate, I want to hopefully work with Callaway Golf for a while with uh, the PGA coming here. Uh, so I've really been looking forward to that. And then maybe uh, I just actually got my authority license to move freight uh, nationally. And so I am thinking about starting up my own break, uh, brokerage freight company. I have a few mentors with the Dallas-Fort Worth Transportation Club uh, right up here. Okay. Shout out to Norma Payne. I'm going to send her the link to this. Uh, so I, I hope she listens. Uh, but she <laughs> owns her own uh, brokerage freight company, and she's kind of being a mentor with me as well. Uh, so that's kind of my plan. And I have a lot of more plans like I was stating. So Dr. Pertel, i tell you, um, I think if we hooked up the wires and cables to the DFW area to Regan, we would have sustainable energy for months on end, right? Uh, Hey, different strokes, different folks. I love it. I love, I love the energy you bring to the table and, and both of y'all, Zach and Regan, the dreams and the passion and what you want to do, right? And, and and how you both want to create stuff. We need more creators, not just in global supply chain, but in business. Dr. Bertel, speak to both of their, um, uh, may, maybe dreams is the wrong word, but their goals and plans. And then I'm going to circle back to a follow-up question to both of our students here. Dr. Bertel, what'd you hear? It's the message that I and my colleagues push at, at UNT. And that is when you think you're thinking big, think bigger. Uh, because if you're going to, if you're going to make it uh, in this competitive world and this competitive, uh, you know, environment, you've got to be different. Um, not just different, uh, you know, in terms of how you look, uh, but how you think. 
Um, and and that's that's I think a, mm. a part of what we're building here. That's what you hear from both of these you know young men is a lot of inspiration, a lot of energy, which is what we look for in interviews, you know, and stand out and future leadership potential, you know, and, and, and Zach, we look for folks who, um, you know, are deep thinkers, you know, and, and that, um, you know, can, can take lots of bits of information that we may not see anything in and, and can find something from it. But here's the difference with Zach. Zach can communicate it back to us, right? He doesn't just show us spreadsheets. He explains what he sees and what we should see. Um, and, and that's different. Um, and as an entrepreneur, you know, type of uh, mindset with both of them, you know, when we think entrepreneurship, we often think about, you know, the individual trying to start a small company. Corporate, in, corporate entrepreneurship is, is much bigger than individual entrepreneurship. And so individuals like this who go into supply chain or R&D or strategy or ops and, and are entrepreneurial minded, um, you know, can make a big impact in their companies. Agree. And I like your analysis there between Regan and Zach. And what they bring to the table, both in a common sense and a very unique sense. And really, that goes back to the the power of different walks in life, different skills, different uh, dispositions. We need it all on a team. You know, one of my favorite interviews, uh, it's been two years ago now. I think it was the heart of the pandemic. And uh, a a classically trained artist uh, ended up finding a career in supply chain and and kicking kicking butt. And we, we need all perspectives for sure. All right. A lot of good stuff in these goals, objectives. Uh, Dr. Patil, I appreciate your, uh, your analysis there. And really, it takes you know, different, different strokes for different folks. It takes us all right, to, to move industry ahead. And I love the, the, the contrast in styles we're even seeing here because uh, it really takes us all. It takes a village. I hate to use that, but it, it's got so much application in where we are. So let's ask this. This is one of our questions we get a lot of feedback around. So, uh, and Regan, I'm going to stick with you here for a second. When it comes to jobs, you've already talked about maybe some of your dream jobs here and some of your early responses, but what's one thing that you and your fellow students are looking for in your potential employer? It's funny that you asked that. The last meeting that our organization had is, what do y'all, you know, I asked myself, so what are y'all really looking for? And, you know, I feel like everyone, you know, talks about, you know, behind each other's ears about, I don't like this company because they don't have good food or something, you know, I don't bring donuts in in the morning. Uh, but you know, I think one thing that I really look into is how do they treat, you know, the people that are working for, I mean, is it a family? Is it a team? I mean, that's, that's one thing I want to be sure that it's a safe environment that I'm treated, you know, respectfully by everyone. I don't want some boss coming in, uh, and yelling at me in the mornings, when, you know, I was t- two minutes late or something uh, and I've never been late, you know, uh, but, you know, just things like that. And then obviously right now, you know, I'm not looking for a lot of money, right? As a young college student, I'm looking for a learning experience. I'm looking to dive into the field and work as hard as I can and give whatever I can to a company that will respect me and give me a safe environment and see who I am to work for them in the long run. And so, you know, that, that's really the, the main point in that. And I think I, I can speak for a lot of other uh, fellow peers and students of mine uh, with that same uh, men- mentality. Regan, I love that. So, so you want to earn, but more importantly, you want to learn. I love that. Good stuff there. Um, all right. So, Zach, 
what about you? What are you looking for in your potential employer? I've, I've got some similarities to Regan over there when it comes to uh, company culture. That's really a big thing that I'm looking for. And that's something I appreciate with my current company, you know, getting the opportunity to sort of go out on my own and uh, think of these improvements that we're able to make, you know, analyze it on my own. That's something that I really like in a company. And that's something, you know, culture in general, just making sure that I feel not only valued and appreciated, but that I have the ability to sort of speak up and make legitimate, uh, you know, changes and alterations that can bring a lot of value to the company. I love that uh, recognition and empowerment, and being able to, to share share your perspective in, in a in an environment that values that. Um, I, I think I, I've heard a lot of of responses along those lines. So good stuff, Regan and Zach. Um, Dr. Pertil, I want to shift gears here as we start to kind of come down the home stretch here. You know, again, I appreciate your facilitation, giving these opportunities for our global audience to, to learn from these voices, right, uh, of the now generation. It's really important we use that distinction. Dr. Pertil, why do you love doing what you do? And any moments, I'll call it from the classroom that you'd like to share with us here. Yeah, you bet. So love doing what I do. Uh, number one, again, because as we mentioned earlier, I get to be dad now. Um but it allows me now to be a consultant. Um, you know, I can work individually with companies. I can work on them with academic teams and funded research with grants and other sorts of uh, opportunities there. Um, but, but more importantly, Scott, for me, you know, I, I spent 25 years, 25 years in industry doing those things that earned me the, the titles and the bonuses and, and all those things like a typical, you know, industry person would do. Um, but what I enjoyed most was really mentoring and helping others, you know, set their own goals, helping companies set their goals and, and, and achieving those things. Um, and, and so that's what I, that's what really drew me back to, to academia it was number one, I love learning, but number two, I love mentoring students and, and not only sharing my, my experiences and thoughts and, and, and processes with them, uh, but, but working with them outside the classroom. Uh, you know, actually being the, the person who enjoys meeting with them in one-on-ones, I actually incent my students to meet with me. I give them extra credit if they'll meet with me outside of a lab. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, what's interesting, Scott, is the number one question I get asked is, um, you know, what, what advice would you give me about career? Hey, I want to interview at this place. What are your thoughts? You know, it's, it's questions that they want to mentor for. Um, and I would say that's probably, you know, of the hundreds of students I meet with every semester, that's that's probably 75% of them that want the mentoring aspect. Um, but this is what I tell students. What's my why now, uh, you know, of, of academia is, um, uh, you know, the opportunity to, to be that person that 20 years from now, when somebody asks them, hey, who had the biggest impact on you? Who do you remember most? What, what teacher, you know, had the biggest impact that it's my name, you know, that, that they mentioned, or at least one of the names they mentioned. I know if I did that, I, you know, I leave a legacy, um, you know, and then that those, those ideas that I had were impactful enough that they've retained them and hopefully they'll pass them on. And our time here is short, right? So, so uh, I think that's the ultimate gift that, that I can give through academia. Man, Dr. Pertil, wonderful. I love that. And I wish I had, I had some professors like you giving extra credit. I needed all the help I could get in school uh, and meeting with professors and gaining their insights I would have done that uh, maybe weekly. It would have saved some of my grades. Regan, uh, you were going to add something. Dr. Patel, you know, it's great that you said that. That's like music to my ears and my heart because as being a student. Um, and I would say the majority of the faculty at UNT would say that same thing. And that just kind of shows, though, right there that, you know, UNT is almost, I mean, it's, it's like a big family. 
you know, you can go talk to anybody. I know that sounds kind of cringy, but I mean, that, that's what it is. You know, I feel like I can go talk to anybody up there and they'll be like, they'll lead me in the right direction for sure. Oh, uh, all right. So when I hear the word cringy, I'm, I'm learning a ton from my three kids and I, my son, I said something the other day and my, my, my son goes, dad, that's super cringe. And I was just dying laughing. My son's going into uh, fifth grade next year. Um, okay. So, uh, Regan, Zach, Dr. Patil, what a great and wide ranging conversation. I really, uh, I admire all that y'all are doing now, uh, and, and contributing now. And of course, man, when y'all wrap up, of course, Zach is graduating here in May. Uh, Regan, you'll be wrapping up in a couple of years and then you're making your mark, driving change. It's got to take place out across the industry. I tell you, we got, we, need, we all need shades on because the future is really, really bright. So, so let's make sure folks know how to connect with all three of y'all. Uh, and I'm going to start with our students here, a soon to be graduate, uh, Zach Qualley. How can folks connect with you, Zach? On LinkedIn, just searching up Zachary Qualley. I, I'm not completely sure, but I think I might be the only one with that name on there. So should be easy to find me. We'll make it easy. We'll add that LinkedIn uh, link to the episode page. So folks who want to click away from connecting with you. I uh, appreciate your time. Regan Weaver. Uh, how about you? How can folks connect with you? Absolutely guys. Uh, anyone listening, you know, I want I'm a helpful, I feel like I'm helpful to anybody I care about. And if y'all, you know, ever need any help with life or you want to reach out, just be friends. I'm always open to network with anybody. Uh, and I'm always going to respect whoever reaches out to me. You can reach out to me uh, on Instagram or LinkedIn, Snapchat. You can even text me. My Instagram is uh, Reagan underscore Weaver three. And then my LinkedIn, you can probably type in UNT Logistics and Supply Chain. I'll probably pop up. Or you can type in Reagan Weaver on LinkedIn. Uh, but I'd love to connect with uh, whoever, whatever questions you may have for me. And I'm sure we can, you know, stay buddies uh, in the future. Wonderful. Regan, I appreciate you and Zach. Regan Weaver. Uh, okay, Dr. Patel, you have brought quite a duo to today's episode of the Now Generation here at Supply Chain Now. How can folks connect with you and all the good things you're up to? LinkedIn is always a great uh, a great way, and so I believe you'll be sharing that. Uh, Twitter, I'm becoming more active on as, as my children uh, push me towards that and Instagram. So Twitter, I'm at cpatel1, uh, so uh, so that's a, that's a good way. Uh, as well as Instagram, but, uh, but LinkedIn, uh, by all means for professional networking, uh, that's the way. Wonderful. And again, appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. Regan. And I'd also like to say, uh, thank you to Scott and the UNT faculty, uh, for having us out here. You know, it's a really great opportunity. Like we were stating about how we love UNT and our faculty, you know, I wouldn't be able to have this opportunity if it wasn't for them. I'm a, I'm, uh, happy to have, or to be on the show, Scott, and, you know, I look forward to staying connected with you as well. I have a hunch. I have a hunch. We're gonna, we have not heard the last from Zach and Regan. That's just a hunch. So who knows? We'll have to have a catch-up episode down uh, maybe later in the year or so. But big thanks. What a great conversation. Re, uh, Regan Weaver, Zach Qualley, and Dr. Clinton Pertell. Thanks to each of y'all for uh, a great uh, time well spent here today. And to our listeners, hopefully y'all enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Make sure you connect uh, make sure you get out and benchmark what they're doing there, clearly, at the University of North Texas. Man, doing some special things. But whatever you do, take some of the ideas you heard from our, our panel here. Put it in action. Deeds, not words. That's how we're going to move the whole industry forward. And with that said, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you to do good. 
to give forward and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.